Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. It's September and it's FASD Awareness Month. Please be sure to check out Blazing New Homeschool Trails, Educating and Launching Teens with Developmental Disabilities by Natalie Vecchione and Cindy LaJoy, available on Amazon. Today, I'll be speaking with Alex Tripp. Alex Tripp has been working with individuals with brain-based disabilities for the past four years as a support professional in Ontario, Canada. She has developed a special interest in FASD, and she strives to create more awareness while driving for change towards a more supportive and inclusive world for all. Every day may not be good, but there is good in every day. Alice Morse Earl. Welcome to today's episode. It is September. It is FASD Awareness Month, and I am thrilled to have Alex Tripp on FASD Hope. Alex is like this awesome advocate. I've been following her on Instagram and on other social medias, mostly Instagram. Alex works with the FASD population, and she'll be sharing her story in a minute. But I wanted to highlight her this month because she really has just created a very smart, a very eye-catching way of getting your attention and teaching you about FASD and FASD awareness. So on that note, Alex, welcome to FASD Hope. Hello, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited. My first podcast. (laughs) I promise it'll be fun. We will make this fun. (laughs) I'm very excited. So let's talk about your journey because your journey, a lot of people, you know, when they advocate for FASD, they usually either have a personal connection or a self-connection or a familial connection. You just have a heart for advocating for, for those in the FASD community, which I love. So let's just talk about your journey and what led you to want to become an advocate for people in the FASD community? Yes. So about four years ago, I started working as a child and youth worker, um, supporting children with a dual diagnosis. And uh, I remember coming home after my first day, after learning a little bit about each of the kids, and I basically ran to my computer to Google, and I just typed in FASD. And I'd heard about it before, but I really didn't know much about it at all so once I started reading I was honestly blown away like how have I not learned about this before like I went to college uh, we studied these things but FASD just never came up so for me I just that was kind of a little bit mind-boggling so I kept researching and reading I joined a support group on Facebook for caregivers and support workers which I found to be like a wealth of information And then I took that knowledge that I had and brought it to work and I used it to support these kids and better support them. And when I started to see how much of a difference that made in our day-to-day routines to just provide accommodations or maybe do something a little bit differently than normal, um, 
I just immersed myself in learning more and sharing as much as I could. Uh, and I met some really amazing kids who were really the reason, you know, like they inspired me to keep advocating even outside of that position and try to create change on a, a wider level. That is terrific. Oh my goodness. I wish when our son was younger, I wish he had you know, a professional, someone who is working with them like you, because you must be such a resource for those families who are just still learning about FASD themselves. Yeah. Even just like through, uh, opening up this Instagram page and Facebook, I've had people contact me from Brazil, from all over the States, from Australia, like asking me, Hey, do you know where I can find a diagnosis for my child? Or, Hey, I read this on your page. Like, do you have any more information about this? And I was kind of like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just kind of some, you know, I'm some nobody from Barrie, Ontario, which <laughs> is slightly North of Toronto. And somehow, some way I'm connecting with people from all over, which was incredible. <laughs> so first of all, you're not a nobody or you're not just a somebody <laughs> you are a big, big somebody because you are Thank making you. <laughs> a difference. You are making such a difference in this world. Um, and secondly, isn't it cool? Cause we, we get that too. Like, I remember the first time I got an email from somebody, I think like either in Australia or even Italy. And I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. I, I, I was just doing this to reach folks in the States. And isn't it wild when you get that, you know, like message or when you get communication from someone that is so far away and you're like, wow, you're reaching somebody that far away and they need, you know, they're looking for resources from you. I mean, how do you feel about that? I know for me, um, it's, it's a very fulfilling for me, you know, to, to feel like, and it's validating that, you know, what we're doing in this podcast is like helping others. How, how do you feel when you get those messages? It is such a push to just keep creating and keep advocating and keep, you know, learning and teaching and doing all these things. Because I mean, in the beginning, I just started in my room creating graphics because it was fun. Like it was just like, oh yeah, I'll pop one out here and I'll maybe post one here. And I didn't know if I would stick to it. Like, I didn't know if it was going to like thrive. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I really, honestly, I didn't, my friends and family were encouraging me like, you know, start a social media page. And I thought nobody on Instagram wants to hear about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Like, are you crazy? And then I went on and I searched a couple hashtags or I searched FASD and there was this entire community that I never even knew existed. Yes. So when I get those messages, it's just like, yeah, like I, I can't stop because exactly. like you said, people need this information. Exactly. <laughs> and so if you know, I, you just, you got to put it out there if you can and you have it. So and I love that. I love that. So when did you officially like start the advocacy? So you started working with kids and, and with um, individuals with FASD about four years ago. When did you officially like make that plunge into, okay, I'm going to advocate on social media and I'm going to advocate, you know, outside of work. So for me, it was about last summer. Um, I'm working for a new organization now and a pretty large organization. So I was thinking how, you know, it was August. We're coming up to September. FASD Awareness Month. And I thought, what can I do or what can we as an organization do to advocate more? So I messaged my boss and I just said, hey, do you think that like, you know, the higher ups would be interested in sharing information on their social media or with employees or however that may be? So she got me in contact with, you know, people that I needed to, to talk to. 
Um, and they said, absolutely. You know, if you put something together, we would love to share that. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, I put together a little information package. I found Canva, which is the website I use to yes. make my graphics. I love Canva. <laughs> it's <laughs> addicting. Thank you. I was just going to say the same thing. Unofficial plug for Canva. It is addicting, especially yes. like if you're a creative and you just want to like, you know, mess around with different formats and stuff. Yes. Okay. So I, much fun. I like you so much already because I, <laughs> you're like a fellow Canva, you know, Ooh, I could, I spend hours, like yes. literally hours in front of my iPad, just like yes. da, 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 da. my friend said to me the other day, wow, your iPod really was, I mean, your iPad was a really good purchase. I said, yeah, it, it was. And Canva's free. So I, I mean, know. it's I a win-win. Know. Oh, I know. So I made a graphic for them and they posted it. And that was awesome. Cause even if only a few people saw it, right? Like there's a few more people that saw it. And mm-hmm. then, like I said earlier, my, cause I, once I made the one graphic, because we're just saying how, you know, intriguing Canva is. I made like 15 more with just facts, like FASD facts. And I shared them to my own Facebook page, like my own personal ones. And then I think I shared them in a group that I was in. And the response was overwhelming. Like people were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Can we, like, can I share this on my page? Or can you make more of these? Can you make this in a US, um, st- uh, sorry, statistic instead of a Canadian st- statistic? And I said, absolutely. So then um, I started the Instagram page, my Facebook page, my Twitter page, and it kind of just took off from there. Um, I hooked up with Aubrey Page from the Change Starts Here Collaborative, who invited me to start making graphics for her page, which I was so excited about. Um, And almost a whole year later, and uh, like we've connected with people from all over the globe. Uh, I've reached thousands of people through my graphics. And recently I joined on the CSH collab as a collaborator. So there's lots of exciting things in store. Yay. Yay. And we love Aubrey. We have her, we've had her on our show like three times and we love the CSH collab, especially all of the classes that Aubrey makes available to not just, you know, parents and families, but teachers, anyone who wants to know about FASD and neurodiversity brain-based diagnoses. So that is awesome. I'm so, congratulations. That's such Thank a, a you very so much. cool collaboration. It is. I'm very excited about what's, uh, what's in store. <laughs> so in the past year, things have really grown for you. Yes. I, I honestly, this time last year was when I was start just making that other graphic and I never in a million trillion years <laughs> would have thought that I would have reached so many people. I mean, I'm almost at 300 followers. I thought That's I would awesome. have like 10. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been incredible. And even just organizations that I've heard from like, oh, thank you for using our information that yeah. way. Or that was really validating because yeah. in the beginning I was a little bit nervous about like not Cause I mean, I know how to cite my sources, but I just, I wanted people to know, like, you know, I'm just trying to share your information to more. I'm not trying to steal it or anything. Um, so hearing back from like organizations that I had used as resources was awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. And again, as a follower of you, which I will be sharing, we'll be sharing your handles um, at the end of this episode as a follower of you on your socials, especially Instagram, 
you really just have this wonderful balance of kind of like you share a little bit of something personal about either, you know, just work or what you've learned or something. And then, you know, statistics that really make an impact that people really need to be aware of. So you have this great balance in your advocacy, which as a parent, you know, I appreciate because we both know that sharing as much as we can and is in a smart professional way as we can, that's going to just have this ripple effect, you know, and then hopefully reach the right people who can say, Hey, we need more supports in these areas or, Hey, I want to donate or, Hey, I want to do something like that. So that's great. That's great. I was so happy to see how much your advocacy work has grown in the past year. That is just, that is so exciting. So we're airing this episode during FASD Awareness Month, which is September. And we, I think for me personally, I've seen FASD Awareness Month just grown exponentially, especially like in the past five years. Why do you think it's so critical for us to share FASD awareness with others? Well, uh, as I said, I live in Canada and in Canada, FASD has been identified as the leading known preventable birth defect and cause of developmental delay in the country. So the most recent studies show an estimated 1.4 million or 4% of Canadians have an FASD. And that's a conservative estimate because as we know, invisible disability, hard to diagnose, often misdiagnose, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to put that into perspective, around one to 2% of Canadians are autistic. So that brings rates of FASD almost twice as high as autism. So that means that at least 1.4 million people in this country are directly impacted by an invisible disability that is often not talked about, which is, that's a big problem especially when we consider how many people are without diagnosis and unable to access services or unable to um, make sense of some of the challenges that maybe they've encountered through their lives. So I think what we need to realize is that FASD affects all of us, everybody, everywhere. So it's critical that we're having these conversations and creating as much awareness about this disability as we can. Um, I personally want everyone to know that individuals with FASD are not defined by their diagnosis. Every person has their own unique strengths, skills, and interests, and when they have access to the appropriate supports and accommodations, those opportunities for success and achievements are endless. So by putting a focus on, you know, the positives is a really big piece, I think, of awareness also, because I found when I was looking for graphics to post before I was making my own, there was kind of a lot of them, but a lot of them I didn't want to share because the way that they were wording things or the images that they were using were not images or words that I wanted to use myself. Um, So I think in the language that we use in our advocacy and the angles that we come from is very important. So those are such as some things, you know, to keep in mind when you're advocating, I think as well. I think that's so important that you bring that up. And I love how you phrase that, the angles that we come from. That is the first time I've heard that. And I I love that. I'm going to steal that, Alex, because (laughs) if you think about FASD and how just how it touches every facet of, of living, every, you know, section of living, we as advocates are coming from different angles. You know, I'm coming from a 
a parent, you know, lived experience as a parent advocate, you're coming from a support worker, someone who's a professional advocate. You know, we have folks that are coming from clinical medical advocates. And then of course we have self-advocates and their voices are, I think their voices are probably the most important. Everybody's voice is important, but I think especially when you want to find out how we can better support individuals, no matter what age with FASD, listening to self-advocates is extremely important because then we can say, okay, here's where we can support you more. And, and just like you said, here's where we can focus on strengths. And, um, and that's another theme that just, we love in this podcast and we carry through it, you know, especially with our son's story, just focusing on the strengths of an individual and not focusing, you know, supporting the needs, but not making that the focus of that individual, you know? Yeah. Because I think, you know, like there is, there's so much more than just like the needs, like there's so many skills and strengths and interests and just amazing things besides those needs that when you highlight those, you know, you put things into a whole different perspective and people I think will view, they, they stop seeing FASD just as, oh, this big scary thing or this hopeless diagnosis, which it is certainly not, which I love FASD hope for that reason, because that really, you know, in itself, it says, you know, there is hope, there is hope in everything. And there's, yeah. Just, just like you, we wanted to change the conversation. You know, you don't, when, when you start researching and you start like, like what you did so wonderfully, when you start researching and getting statistics and, and, and just, you know, learning more about FASD, hope is not something you really affiliate, especially when you read those articles and, and you, you don't hear the word hope with FASD. And we wanted to change that conversation. And I know that you are doing that through your advocacy work. I thank you for that, for that comment, by the way. Um, so let's talk about your, your work, your work in real life. Can you give me like an example of how you advocate for the kids or for the students where you work so that parents can, can hear like a real lived example of, of how you can best advocate for your kid or for your family member? Yeah, so I think a good example would be when I was working with the children. Um, I worked in a group home uh, sort of environment. So there was five kids in that house and not all of the kids had FASD, of course. Um, So oftentimes when I was, say, advocating for a certain accommodation for a kid that maybe did have FASD, I would always hear the same thing. How is it fair to do that for one when you're not doing it for the others? And I would explain like, you know that, I don't know if you've ever seen, it's like a comic and it talks about equality and it has these three figures and they're trying to look into a baseball field, but they all are at different heights. You know what I'm talking about? And so I don't know if I'll be able to explain that that picture well, but the, the idea is that, you know, equality does not mean, or fairness does not mean that we all get the same thing. It means that we all get what we need to get the same result, if that makes sense. Yes. Yep. So I, you know, would explain, you know, okay, so for example, if we were all sitting at at the dinner table, that's a little bit of an overwhelming time, five kids, three adults, that could be, there's a lot of chit chat or a lot of noise, a lot of what have you. So 
we had one kiddo who often get a little bit overwhelmed at that time of the day. So dinner time was a struggle at times. So instead of, you know, okay, we're all going to sit here. I would say, Hey, do you want to go eat over at this table with me in the quieter, in a quieter space? Sure, Alex, I would love to do that. And so we would take our plates and we'd go have our little dinner and, you know, in a quieter space. And that was fine. And it didn't mean that that particular kid was getting special attention or special treatment. It just meant that they were having an accommodation that meant that they could have a successful evening. They could have their dinner and enjoy it. And everybody, you know, it all worked out well for everybody. So I think the idea that everybody needs the same thing is just got to go away. Because that we all need awesome. different things. So that is you know, spot on, Alex. Yes, that is thank so you. <laughs> awesome. And that is a perfect example because we always say that FASD is a spectrum diagnosis. And what an accommodation for one person looks like is going to be different for another person. And, and it's the same thing when we think about, you know, accommodations. Accommodations are not special attention or special privilege. It's, it's helping that individual get the most success out of, you know, whatever they're participating in. So um, I love that. That is, oh, Alex, I am so glad you are on FASD, Team FASD. This is like, it, it's so great to have you advocating for those in the FASD community. So that is awesome. And that's a great example. So I know, and I see when I follow you, especially on Instagram, you are so wonderful in sharing tips for caregivers. So caregivers come from every aspect of life, uh, every angle of life. I'm going to use that again. So what are some tips that you might have for caregivers, especially during FASD Awareness Month, tips that we may just be overlooking in our everyday lives that you coming from your angle could offer to um, those caregivers in the FASD community? Sure. So um, like I sort of said before, I think it is important to always remember that, you know, what works for one person may not work for another person. And maybe one individual needs extra support in one area that another individual with FASD does not. And that's okay, because like you said, it's a spectrum disorder. So you have to get to know the person that you're working with and ask them like, hey, you're having a hard time. What, what works for you when you're having a hard time? For example, I, I'll have people that I work with say, oh, you're my favorite worker, or you're my, you know, you work with me best. Or one of the kids I used to work with would always say, you have all the tips and tricks. <laughs> and I would say, I don't have any tips and tricks. Like I just, you know, I just do, but I would ask, okay, like, what do I do that you think is a tip or a trick? You know? So it would be something like, oh, well, when I'm cleaning my room, you, you help me find to put where my things or you, you help me find where my things go. So maybe the other people that were working were just saying, go clean your room without providing that extra help. So, you know, once you get to know the person that you're working with, they can offer you way more information than I can. But the information that I can offer you, like some practical examples would be things like giving the individual a heads up before it's time to switch activities. So if we were all watching TV in the basement and it is time to get ready for dinner, say, instead of saying, okay, dinner time, TV off, that's, that's probably not going to go over the best. But if I say, Hey, 15 more minutes of TV, and then we're going to sit for dinner. Hey, 10 more minutes of TV. And then we're going to go sit for dinner. Okay. Five more minutes of TV. You know, you have to ease into those transitions. It gives the brain some time to process that. Okay. I have to stop this activity that I really like doing 
and move on to something that maybe I don't love doing or, you know, whatever. Um, I think another, another good example would be providing a visual schedule of the person's day or activities. It doesn't need to be with times. It can just be in a particular order. That's actually preferred because sometimes when we have, okay, you're going to brush your teeth at this time. You're going to get ready for school by this time. That can be a lot of pressure. Um, so, but it also provides, and you have kind of a schedule like that, it gives the person an, an opportunity to have some independence. Like they're not being told what to do or directed to an activity. They can flow them, like flow their day themselves, which, you know, boosts their confidence and helps create kind of like that inner routine. Like they're going to remember it better. Um, having a quiet space or areas for individuals who may be sensitive to sound or noise, like I was saying about, um, the dinner table uh exercise and that was a really good example right but it could apply to so many things like if you're going to the mall maybe you take a break and you go sit in the car or you find uh you know you go outside for a little walk around where it's less busy all of these different things i mean i would also say another one a big one is being aware of sensory sensitivities so this can look like so many different things which is why i started a series on sensory sensitivities because you may be seeing something that looks like a behavior, but it's not a behavior, right? It's a it's, symptom. It's a yes. Symptom. Yeah. And it's a communication of something. Yes. So we had, I worked with one, um, one kid who had their ears pierced and when the, their earring would pinch, sometimes we would have a, like an, an outburst or, you know, a frustration and an, an escalation and nobody would what's going on what's going on and I would think okay what are the things that are not obvious right now that could be contributing to this is your earring pinching or is your the tag on your shirt itching your back like did something maybe something even happened earlier at school today like there's all these different things that we have to kind of look beyond the surface level and that's why I started with getting to know the person because once you know the person and you know them well those things are a little bit easier to identify this is gold. This is like <laughs> caregiver gold. This is so wonderful. I am so, oh my goodness, Alex, you are like wise beyond your years. Number one <laughs> and number Thank you two. Very much. And number two, again, I keep saying this, but it is such, you're such a resource for the FASD community and for teaching people who want to know more about the FASD community and brain-based diagnoses too, because we know when we talk about these accommodations, they are very applicable to other spectrum diagnoses, things like autism or other brain-based diagnoses like ADHD. So I'm so glad that you're, you know, you're incorporating these wonderful accommodations and yet you're also addressing just you know, the, the person as a whole, you know, um, versus like we, you know, mentioned earlier, looking at their need, looking only at this You're what you're sharing with us is what we like to focus on is that you, the parent, the caregiver, the, the teacher, you are the investigator and your job is to step back and say, okay, what is really going on here? And this is not a willful behavior, but this is a sign or a symptom of something. So by you acknowledging that, that's helping other parents and teachers and caregivers and support workers say, oh, you know what? I should step back and think about what, you know, what's going on. Is this a tag? Is this an earring? Is this a sensory thing? So gold, 
golden advice, Alex. This is awesome. So I'm not helpful. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. And you know, everything that you are sharing, you know, the transitions and the visual cues, you're everything you're sharing. Like I, I, I like am so thankful that these are things that we started putting into place in our lives a couple of years ago, especially when we first learned about the, you know, brain-based neurobehavioral model of parenting. And I think it's so important for families, especially those who are still, you know, trying to traditionally parent to see that these accommodations work, they, they work, you know, I know, um, I love how you phrase making structure in a schedule, but you're, but not assigning a time to it. And I think that's really important. And I'll share with you my angle as, as a mom of a 19 year old that has an FASD, like his schedule, especially now that he's starting to work on his own and he's starting to kind of, you know, he's an aspiring woodworker and he's starting, you know, his own little business. Um, thank you. Thank you. We are so, so proud. And so, um, we're just so thankful. He's just an amazing, an amazing young man. And so, but what we do, just like what you're saying is we say, okay, sometime during this time in the morning, this needs to happen, you know, and then sometime on this day in the afternoon, this needs to happen. So we give flexibility within the structure. If that makes sense. I don't know if that Absolutely. makes sense. It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something that people either are like one way or another, they're either like, Oh, flexible. It'll happen when it happens, or it must happen at this time at this minute. And I think for us, you know, whether we're caregivers, support workers, teachers, parents, foster parents, if we can say, okay, we need to have structure, but we also need to allow for flexibility. So Mm -hmm. I think that by giving an example, like what you just did, that is great for parents to say, okay, if it, if they don't brush their teeth by this time, then, you know, we don't want them to think, you know, oh my gosh, the day's ruined because it's not, you know, we just say, okay, this chunk of time, we just need, you know, this to happen so that we can move on to the next step. So I love that, Alex. Oh, you are such a resource. Yay. Yay. So I want to share how folks can get in touch with you to learn your, your golden nuggets of information and just learn from you and to find out where they can reach out to you. I mean, obviously people are reaching out to you, but I I'd (laughs) like to use this episode as a platform for you um, to share how folks can get in touch with you and learn more about your work. Of course. I appreciate that. So I am on right now, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all under the uh, username Alex T F A S D. I recently got approved as a um, creator on Giphy. So now I have been making stickers like that you can stick on your Instagram stories or your Snapchats or whatever you want to stick them on, which is amazing because whenever I would go in to look for like terms like neurodiverse or not FASD, for example, there just, there wasn't anything. So yes, if you go into Giphy and you search Alex T FASD, you will find FASD stickers, which are great for uh, FASD Awareness Month. And now that I have had the honor of joining the collaborative as a collaborator, I do have a page there uh, linking to all of my social media profiles. And you can check out all of the other collaborators that we have, the courses that the collab offers, all of these things. 
And that's at the cshcollab.com. So we will be sharing all of those resources and all of that information in our program notes today, as well as on our social posts when we um, tag Alex and all of the social media accounts that she's on. And Alex, if people want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do it? Like message you through Instagram or do you have, um, do you have a work email that folks can get in touch with you? I would say the best way would be Instagram or Facebook Um, there. You can direct message me on either one. I have my phone in my hand, literally 24 seven or my (laughs) iPad. So you can almost always get a hold of me. And if it's FASD related, I am 110% guaranteed to reply to you. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. So Alex, as we end your first uh, guesting, first of all, you did an amazing job. I, you know, you're guesting like a pro. So any of you um, podcasters out there have Alex T on Alex trip on your show. She's amazing. She's a great guest and you will learn a lot and you will also like, you'll have some great aha moments. So, um, and to any of us before, not to interrupt you, but to any of the other fellow advocates out there who are feeling like, well, no, I could never do this. I thought that too. I don't, I'm not like the biggest, you know, public speaker, I won't say, but this has been so much fun. (laughs) So don't be afraid and step out of your comfort zone. That's my little words of advice. Yes. Yes. And that's especially important this month because we have here in the States, we have um, national legislation going. We need everybody to step out of their comfort zone and advocate so that we can move forward and we can have supports and services and whatnot. So yay. Yay, Alex. So let's end on a hope takeaway. I don't know um, if you know, I like to end our episodes on a hope takeaway. And, And those are words of encouragement, words of hope for anyone in the FASD community, um, anyone, uh, self-advocate, parents, caregivers, what are some words of hope that you can share, especially this month during FASD Awareness Month? I think just to remember that everything that you do, it matters. And I'll like, you know, no change is too small. And you may feel like you're you know, trying to do something or trying to make a change and you may not feel like you're seeing that. Uh, but sometimes it takes, you know, the, the flower has to grow before it. What's, I don't know what the, if that's a saying, but you know, you can't plant a seed and expect the flower to pop up the next day. So be patient. Um, uh, a nice little story I guess I could share was when I did leave my uh, CYW position, I worked really, really closely with one kiddo who I, I adored. Um, and when I left that job, I, I, we, we didn't, I didn't get to keep in touch so much. So I saw my old boss a couple years later in the grocery store. And he said to me, that kiddo is doing so well. And I just want you to know that the things that you guys worked on, like y- y- you, you, you did it well, because now we're seeing like the, the fruits of your labor, if you will. So, you know, good things take time and don't give up. And on that note, we will end this wonderful episode of Alex T, Alex Tripp, FASD. You can find her Alex T, FASD, Alex Tripp, amazing advocate. And we are so thankful to have you on team FASD advocacy. Thank you so much for being on FASD Hope.
Thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.